Notice what Job says, uh, heavy words. He says, my soul loathes my life. I will give free course to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. That's heavy, huh? You read that, it's almost surprising to read it in the Bible. But here's a man who's being honest. Here's a man who's wearing his heart on his sleeve. And he's just saying, I'm suffering so much that I just, I loathe my life. And he's now giving free reign to his complaints. He's not restraining himself. And, and you know, initially we would immediately like say, no, don't do that. You know, you, you're not supposed to complain. You know, you're a Christian, or you're a believer. Um, but, you know, we're going to see that this is a, a something that God allowed. Uh, Job has a unique situation because whenever you feel like complaining, because a lot of times we're there, whenever you're going through the difficulties and the challenges of life, and some of them are almost unbearable, at least you'll be able to know that, that there is someone that you can relate to, and you can see that while he was going through those tough times, that God was still on the throne doing something good. And so, um, you know, one of the things that you think about, uh, I would like to pose this question to you. How do you know God is all-powerful? How, how do you know that God is all-loving? How do you know that God is good? And the answer to that, of course, is because it says so in the Bible, right? That's the way God has revealed himself to us in his truth. And so that's how we know God is all-powerful, all-loving, he's good, you know, human reason alone cannot come to that conclusion. The Creator has to reveal that to us, and He has done that through His Word. And so we know that because we have the Bible. Job didn't know that. Keep in mind the context of Job was that he didn't have a Bible yet, like we do. Uh, he didn't have this revelation. And I think as we study the book, it's important to keep that in mind, you know, because we believe that this is the first book ever written. Uh, as far as the Bible goes. And so, without that authoritative re revelation, Job um, freely and, and in one sense almost innocently expresses how many people feel while they're experiencing this type of suffering. So, you know, in reading the book of Job, all those who suffer will be able to see they're not alone in their sufferings and they're not the only ones fighting through those thoughts that come to their minds. You know, I was thinking about this, and I'm so blessed to see you here on a midweek service. You know, prayerfully, you're really seeking the Lord. You know, but one of the, the, the challenges or one of our goals or one of our desires is that we make it to heaven. You know, and life has a way of throwing, you know, things at you that, you know, you would have never thought can happen. And, you know, this young man, 30 years old, he, he's a Christian guy, and he gets jumped by four men, you know, without uh, warning. I'm sure he didn't think it would happen to him. I'm sure if he's married, you know, she, his wife didn't think it would happen to her husband or parents to their, to their son or whoever's surrounding. And then, you know, let's just say he doesn't make it. You know, sometimes things like that, they cause someone to stumble. And a lot of times they drift away and then sometimes they even fall away and they don't make it all the way to heaven. But what if you have like this in your heart where you have the book of Job in your heart and you realize that 
even in those times that we just do not understand anything about the logic to this situation, that you know that even in those dark times, God is doing something wonderful. And the only reason you know that is because you have taken this book to heart. You see, and so for me, it's kind of cool. I was thinking that the people who are interested in the book of Job and they'll read the book of Job, when that time comes, it's not really an if, it's a when. When that time comes, when you get hit so hard that you just want to check out of life, when that time comes, you're going to be okay because you have this truth in your heart. And so, you know, that comforts me to think that you would just want to study this book. You know, a lot of times we wonder, where's God? You know, I thought I was doing good. And so why am I going through this? So why am I feeling this way? And then we can come to false conceptions about God that he must not be good. But we know he is because we have the Bible. You see, the book of Job gives us a peek behind the scenes and even to the end of the story. And you find out that God is all-powerful. God is good all the time. We can trust him to be with us no matter how deep that valley or even that, that Grand Canyon might be in life. I don't know what you guys will experience. You know, some, I think, you know, go through things that in one sense are, are worse. You know, things happen to our, our children. I mean, I don't, to me, it's like, okay, you can do whatever you want to me. But my kids, my family, those are hard. Those are hard. So when you're there... <laughs> You have to have that proper perspective. And, and you got to have a real faith, a genuine faith in God. You know, you've probably heard that quote, uh, some people are always complaining that roses have thorns. I'm just thankful that thorns have roses, you know. And, and, it's, and in one sense, we kind of got to look at it that way. In this fallen world, it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? You know, I, I hate death, but I, I love life. I hate hate but I love love, you know, stuff like that. You know, looking at the, the, the divine perspective. You know, the book of Job, it shows us that the enemy has his intentions for evil, but God will turn it around and use it for good. And we can stand on that. We can stand on that truth. And so, you know, do be careful in complaining. You know, the blunt truth is whenever we complain, we are denying the wisdom and goodness of God. But as you get those thoughts and they flow through your mind, understand you're not alone. You know, by faith, we are to believe there's more to the story. There's purpose to that pain. That There's a battle going on behind the scenes. A battle whose outcome affects eternity. Think about that. It affects eternity. So the suffering we experience temporarily, although painful, is, doesn't even compare. And therefore, it should be embraced by faith. You know, the, I've told you guys uh, many times, that, and, and I think the principle is true, that the greater the pain, the greater the purpose, the greater the battle, then the greater the blessing. And we got to know that because I'm thoroughly convinced that God is sovereign and he would never waste pain. He would never allow it to be 
you know, come to pass and that it was as thus it was absolutely necessary to impact the spiritual kingdom, the world of eternity. And so we can actually find joy in those tough times. That's why in Romans 8, verse 18, Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And Paul, I think, in one sense, was talking about the sufferings that he himself experienced. He went through a lot, but he says it's not even worthy to be compared because one day when we're home, I mean, it's, like, it's going to be like a woman who gives birth and that hurts so bad. My heart goes out to you ladies. They had to kind of go through that. But man, the joy of life. You know, one day we'll be home and, and all that suffering will be forgotten. The only thing about that suffering I think that we'll ever be able to hold on to or have to hold on to is that it all worked together for good and we'll see the glory of it. You know, Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, for our light affliction, and we would say, no, it's not light affliction. Yes, it is. It's, it's but for us a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal and then Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1, 6-7, And this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. Remember, you guys, it's just a vapor. It's here. It's so, so brief. For a little while, if need be. It's a need. We have to go through these things. You have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by the fire. And, and tested... It, it, it really, it doesn't just mean God's seeing how much you believe. It means that God is strengthening your faith. And it's tested by the fire may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because when God takes you through the hard times, and you know I've been through a couple of them, nothing compared to what some of you have gone through, but when he brings me out, he flexes his muscles and he shows me how strong he is. And then I believe even more. That's what happens when you go through those trials. And so here's Job. He, he's complaining. He's giving free course to his complaint. He's just hating life. It's a little understandable for him. Not really for us, but for him it is. And, and then he goes on in verse 2. And he says, I will say to God, do not condemn me. Show me why you contend with me. Does it seem good to you that you should oppress, that you should despise the work of your hands and, and smile on the counsel of the wicked? Now Job says to God, don't just contend me. Tell me you know, what the charges are that you're bringing against me. You know, He goes on to express here, I think, something that many, many people wonder about. Why is it that some people are so good and suffer so much and others are so bad and then they seem to be blessed? And, you know, we wonder, a lot of people wonder, why do the wicked prosper? We see what they're doing and it seems like everything is so great for them. Notice again, look what he says there in verse 3, and smile on the counsel of the wicked. You know, the, the word counsel, it could also mean the plans or the schemes of the wicked. It seems like they're getting their way. 
You know, and, and a lot of times we think that the wicked are being blessed. But, you know, the thing is, uh, in Psalm 73, Asaph thought that the same thing. You know, let's turn there real quick, because you know what? We're not far from Psalm 73, just about 20 pages to your right. <laughs> or maybe a little more, but look what it says in Psalm 73. It's a Psalm of Asaph. He says, truly God is good in, to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You know, like their kids, man, they all got college educations. And, you know, they've got the, the nice cars, the nice house. They're all healthy and they have, you know, like white teeth and all that kind of stuff. It's just crazy how they're so blessed, you know, and... I mean, it just seems like everything's good, for there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. And here I am, and look what's happening to me. I mean, therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a, like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here, and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And, and they even say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? I mean, they're like atheists, they're agnostics, they're, and they're getting a wonderful life. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches and Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain, washed my hands in innocence for all day long. I have been plagued and chastened every morning. And if I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. I mean, he was just, he was just having a really hard time how he was seeking God and it didn't seem like he was being blessed and they, they weren't. As a matter of fact, they were like against God and it seems like everything's going good in their life. But, you know, he said, you know, verse 2 again, I almost stumbled. My, my feet had almost stumbled. My, my steps had nearly slipped. But look what he says in verse uh, 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God and then I understood their end. You know, and what does the Bible say? What does a prophet a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You know, we got to think of the, the big picture, the eternal picture. Not only that, you guys know this, huh? All the money in the world, it, it, does, it can't buy a home. It may not buy a house, but it can't buy a home. It can't buy love. It can't buy peace. It can't buy joy. It can't buy a relationship with God. I mean, you know, who cares about all that stuff? So, you know, sometimes we just get this misconception that the wicked, you know, they're so happy and they're so blessed, when in all reality, it's, it's not that way. It's the other way around. Job was feeling that way. Back in Job chapter 10, he's like, why are you smiling on the counsel of the, of the wicked? And then in Job 10, we pick it up again in verse 4. He says, do you have eyes of flesh or do you see as man sees? He's kind of saying like God is a human, a, 
a man here looking at things from that type of perspective? Are your days like the days of a mortal man? Are your years like the days of a mighty man that you should seek for my iniquity and search out my sin? Although you know that I am not wicked and there is no one who can deliver me from your hand? I mean, Job is kind of saying he feels like the great and awesome God is behaving like a, like a fallen man. You know, man has that tendency, huh, we do, to focus on the flaws of others and the failures. And, and Job was thinking that that's what God was doing to him. He, you know, even though deep down inside, he knew that God knew he was blameless. You know, that's where he was at. Job didn't have a Bible. He didn't have special revelation. But he did have what we call general revelation. He did have the testimony of creation and conscience. And so the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. So when you look up at the stars and and just, man, the creation, you're like, man, whoever made this, he's pretty awesome. And not only that, we have the conscience. Job had the testimony of general revelation, creation, and conscience. And you know what else he had? He had a relationship with God. He had that. He didn't have a Bible, but he did have those things. There were some things that he knew as a result of having a relationship with God and having general revelation. He knew in his heart that he was right. He was right with God. I don't think he thought he was perfect, but he knew in his heart somehow that he, you know, he was right with God. He knew God made him. Um, We're going to see that as we continue through here. And he mentions that here, the work of your hands. As as a matter of fact, it's interesting. Although Moses had not yet written the book of Genesis, undoubtedly it had been handed down, the truth of God making man with his hands orally, right? That God made man with his hands. Job knew that. Look at verse 8. He says again, Your hands have made me and fashioned me an intricate unity, yet you would destroy me. Remember, I pray that you have made me like clay, and will you turn me into dust again? Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese, clothe me with skin and flesh, and knit me together with bones and sinews? You have granted me life and favor, and your care has preserved my spirit. Right there where it talks about preserving it, It talks about intervening. You know, Job knew that God made him, you know, in the very beginning, and he also knew that God intervened in time and space. He intervened, and he he protected him. He knew all this about God. And and these things you have hidden in your heart, I, I know that this was with you. If I sin then, you mark me and will not acquit me of my iniquity, If I am wicked, woe to me. If I am righteous, I cannot lift up my head. I am full of disgrace. See my misery? If my head is exalted, you hunt me like a fierce lion. And again, you show yourself awesome against me. You renew your witnesses against me and increase your indignation toward me. Changes and war are ever with me. You know, I don't know, I thank God that we can't read each other's thoughts. (laughs) Man, we wouldn't have any friends, huh? (laughs) 
But imagine if you wore your heart on your sleeve. Imagine if you could just, you get with a few friends and you just tell them all the struggles that you have. You know, just everything. You just poured out your heart. You just laid it all out there. Man, I'll tell you what, there, there might even be something healthy about that. I don't, I wouldn't recommend like 100%, you know. <laughs> I would probably say to do that with God. And I would say that it would be a blessing to have some friends that you can really open up with and just say, you know what, I'm really, I'm struggling. And you can share things with them, right? Because you got to admit, I mean, when you think of Job's story, man, he was so such a right on believer in the Lord. I mean, the Bible talks about really he was the most righteous man on the whole planet. Think about that. But now he's probably suffering more than anyone else. So man, imagine the just how, you know, that would just it would bring perplexity inside, right? I mean, he was aware of the fact that God had fashioned him with his own hands. He just knew that by you know, creation and conscience and a relationship with God. He knew Genesis 2.7, the Bible says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. I mean, you guys know the difference between someone who is, uh, or something that's manufactured in, a, in a whatever, the machines make it, and when something's made by someone's hands, right? I mean, we are made by God's hands. Uh, Job knew that. The Bible says that in Psalm 119, verse 73, your hands have made me and fashioned me. And you know, not that God had hands necessarily or literally prior to the incarnation, but it's talking about intimately. It's talking about personally. Job knew that God had made him, right? And so when you look at this, it's interesting just to see how Job was aware of that. And I believe that when you look at life, it's important for us to understand but, but look at uh, verse 10. Did you pour me out like milk and, and curdle me? Did you not pour me out like milk and, and curdle me with cheese? I know what Job is describing, God's wonderful work in forming him in the womb. And you guys know out of a small and liquid substance, gradually coagulated and condensed as milk is kind of like curled into cheese and on into the exquisite frame, of a man. I mean, from the very inception, I mean, he's just saying, Lord, it was you. You know, but the thing is, is that as you're going through all that, and he's going through pains that just, I don't even think we have words enough to describe how, how awful it was. He says there in verse not eight, again, your, your hands have made me and fashioned me in intricate unity, yet you would destroy me. I mean, he's basically saying, you made me, I feel like you made me to destroy me. That's how, that's how he feels. Now, one of the things we're going to see about the book of Job, and I think it is important to know, is that, you know, he, he says, like, we're going to see later, he's like, I think that when you die, it's over. But then later on, he says, but I know one day I'm going to see my Redeemer, <laughs> you know, so it's not like he's necessarily, you know, conclusively giving you his belief system. He's just having a hard time, right? And so in one sense, he said, I feel like you made me to destroy me. And 
And I'll tell you what, just as a quick side note right here, that's Calvinism. Did you know that? Calvinism teaches that God made some and there's nothing they can do. They are destined to hell. Whatever you do, don't buy into that. I believe that God made everybody and they all have the opportunity to come to Christ. So we're not made to be destroyed. That's, that's Calvinism. But, you know, here's Job going through this and it's a tough time. You know, look at, at verse 15. He says, if I am wicked, woe to me. If I am righteous, I, I cannot lift up my head. You know, I don't know. Sometimes, I don't know if you can identify with that. You wonder, Lord, am I doing good? Lord, am I doing bad? You kind of don't even know where you're at. That's really a state of confusion. And we know, according to 1 Corinthians 14.33, that God is not the author of confusion. Because, you know, that leads to delusion, you know, that God who made us do these things, you know, this God who made us beautifully, intimately, wonderfully is accused now of doing something diabolically. Look at verse 16 again. He says, if my head is exalted, kind of like if I'm doing good, you hunt me like a fierce lion. Now, when you read the Bible, and, and when it comes to a bad lion, who's that? That's a devil, huh? And that's where sometimes if you don't know the word and you start listening to the lies that surround you, you can actually end up in places like this. C.S. Lewis, he said this, Not that I am in much danger of ceasing to believe in God. The real danger is of coming to believe such dreadful things about him. The conclusion I dread is not so there's no God after all, but so that this is what God's really like. Like a lion against me, like God is diabolical, like God is evil. You know, we have to understand this is not the way it is. Some will say God is distant. You ever heard of deism? Deism says that God made everything. He kind of wound it up and he lets it go. You know, like whatever happens, happens. He's distant. Or they'll say he's like devilish. God is not all-powerful or God is not all-loving, that he's not good. And if you're not careful, you can fall into things like that. You know, this one individual, Edgar Breitman, the philosopher, he dealt with the problem of human suffering when his wife died. And when his wife died, he reasoned that if God cared, he would heal her. Healing did not come, and so he could only maintain his concept of a personal God by concluding that his power was limited. A lot of times they think, well, those are the only two options. Either God is all-powerful or, you know, that God is not good. You know, Joe shows us that God is personal and all-powerful, that God is good in that he works all things together for good. That's why Romans 8.28 is such a, an awesome passage, right? For he works all things together for good, right? To those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. I've shared with you guys before, how many of you here like cake out of curiosity? I, I like cake, right? So, you know, you take the individual ingredients in a cake and you eat them one by one, probably not good, right? But when they're mixed together 
and they're put in that oven, whatever, you know, then, oh man, it's good. That's the way it is in life. And we got to be careful um, that we don't become bitter. Look at, again, at verse 1 of chapter 10. My soul loathes my life. I will give free course to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. You know, I, when we were worshiping, for whatever reason, I was just thinking of Jesus. I was thinking about how hard his life must have been. You know, talk about, you know, I don't know, just taking a step down, just coming here to begin with, you know, leaving heaven, the glory, and coming to this place, planet earth, and then who knows the, uh, the tough times that he went through, the devil all along knowing who he was, opposed to him, tooth and nail, the Bible says he's a man acquainted with sorrows, and we don't know for sure, but more than likely his dad died, probably about 14 years old, you know, and you know, I think he was a good dad. I have a, a feeling that Joseph was a very good dad. More than likely, his siblings had a hard time with him. Uh, who knows the things that he went through, you know? Um, and I was just thinking about how, you know, we can go through things. But I tell you what, it didn't change his love. Not, not, not one iota. And he, and he just did not allow any type of bitterness to set in. And we have to be really careful with bitterness because bitterness, what does it do? It, it ruins us, not necessarily others. I, I was thinking of, uh, of Naomi, you know, when you read her story in the book of Ruth, uh, again, another tragedy that, you know, I can't even begin to imagine, you know, how hard it must have been for her First, there was a famine in Israel, so they have to leave their country. They go to Moab, and then, you know, her husband dies, and her two sons die. And so, you know, obviously, you're going to think, you're going to think, well, God is against me. And then she, you know, she has to go back to Israel. And when when she goes back, you know, they're they're like Naomi, you know, and they're all happy to see her. And she said, "Don't call me Naomi." You know, that, that her name means my delight. She said, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. And little did she know that in those tragedies, in those tragedies, God was bringing her back to the Lord. He's bringing her back to the land. Because through her, the Messiah would come. That's why we have to guard our heart against getting bitter. And we have to like, I know it's hard, you know, but we got to stay focused and we have to count it, we even have to count it all joy. That's what the Bible says in, in James chapter 1. You know, but Job here, he's, he's, uh, he's complaining and he tells the Lord, you know, you condemn me, you condemn you contend with me. Uh, even though you made me, you despise me. When you see me, you only see sin in me. In all reality, you made me to destroy me. He says in verse 18, Why then have you brought me out of the womb? Oh, that I had perished and no eye had seen me. I would have been as though I had not been. I would have been carried from the womb to the grave. 
Are not my days few? Cease, leave me alone, that I may take a little comfort before I go to the place from which I shall not return, to the land of darkness and the shadow of death, a land as dark as darkness itself, as the shadow of death without any order where even the lights, the light is like darkness. And, and I really believe, you guys, I really believe that the reason the Lord has written this down and given this to us is not necessarily that God was in, endorsing Job's complaints, but he was just, for anyone who ever feels this way, like I wish I would have never been born, I wish I would have gone from the womb to the tomb. I, I, I wouldn't have to experience all this anguish. That you can know that even when you feel that way, God's working something wonderful. He's working something wonderful. You know, Job, once again, he brings up the struggle that he was having and that he was, you know, even allowed to live at all. He said, I wish I would have gone, you know, from the womb to the tomb, you know, thank God he doesn't always answer our prayers, huh? Because we know that God still had many years for Job. And he says there in, in verse uh, 20, are, are not my days few? He's like, I'm just about to die. So, so he says, cease, leave me alone, you know? Can you leave me alone and let me die in peace? I mean, that's how he's feeling. The thing about Job is that he couldn't stop believing in God but he started to believe the lie that God was bad. And he started dabbling with the lie that, you know what, when you die, there's no heaven. You're just going to stay six feet under. It's just all nothing but darkness. And so uh, this guy Zophar starts talking. In verse 1 of chapter 11, Then Zophar the Namathite answered and said, should not the multitude of words be answered, and, and should a man full of talk be vindicated? Should your empty talk make men hold their peace? And when you mock, should no one rebuke you? For you have said, my doctrine is pure, and I am clean in your eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against you, that he would show you the secrets of wisdom, for they would double your prudence. Know therefore, here it is, that God exacts from you less than your iniquity deserves. So uh, Zophar is so far from the truth. I'm serious, man. Just know this, okay? <laughs> and he, the thing about him, he's the youngest uh, of the bunch. And, uh, you know, he now speaks. And, and when you really look at what he says in the original language, he really comes strong against Job to humiliate him more than the others. The other guys, initially, there was, a, there was an element of tact, a little bit. This guy had nothing. And a lot of times, it's kind of funny, um, a lot of times the, the young guys think they know it all. They do, you know, and I've seen some. Of it. And it happens, you know, you see these young guys judging these guys have been walking with the Lord for a long time. And, and they don't really know what's going on. And they, he's like saying, well, God is punishing you less than you deserve. That's what's really going on. Again, no love, no compassion, no sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, or really even the human spirit. And remember, you guys, um, love without truth 
is heresy. And of course you want to avoid that. But truth without love is hypocrisy. And a lot of times I think we can be guilty of that hypocrisy. Some of the things they were saying were true, but they were not true of Job. And that's where we have to be careful. If someone is living in straight out sin, don't misunderstand me. You go to them, love them, say, hey, I love you. I know God wants the best for you. Uh, you know, you, you don't need to, to get drunk or get high or, you know, whatever it is. You're, you're, you know, you're having an affair. I mean, deal with it, you know. But when someone is suffering and you go to them, them that's suffering and you just automatically conclude that it's because they're in sin, that's where you're, you're really, and you're stepping on, on ground that is so holy that you have to be so careful that you don't come or jump to conclusions like that. Verse 7, he says, Can you search out the deep things of God? He's talking to Job. Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? And I feel like saying, well, can you? <laughs> You know, I mean, you think you know what's going on? You don't even have a clue. They're writing the Bible right now, man. Job 11, verse 8, They are higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he passes by, imprisons, and gathers to judgment, then, then who can hinder him? For he knows deceitful men... He sees wickedness also. Will he not then consider it? I mean, what's he saying about Job? He's saying you're deceitful. You're a deceitful man. He's saying you're a wicked man. And God knows it. In verse 12, he says, For an empty-headed man will be wise when a wild donkey's colt is born a man. I mean, he's just really like ridiculing him, right? I think he was talking about himself. I remember, do any of you guys remember Romaine, uh, Pastor Chuck's assistant? He would always come. I remember it was this brand new Christian. He would come and he would give the same message, always talk out of James chapter 3. And he would always say, when you're pointing the finger, three are pointing right back at you. And a lot of times that's what's going on, you know? Be careful, you guys. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the Measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And this can happen in any, you know, husband and wife, and, you know, the wife gets sick, and the husband says, you're in sin. You know, are you sure? You know, you talk to your kids or whatever. And, you know, here this guy is, and you guys see it, huh? He's got a big old plank in his eye. And he's over here trying to remove what may be a speck in Job's eye. That is literally what's happening here. They're judging him. John 7, 24 is a really cool passage. It says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Some people say, well, don't judge, don't judge, never judge. You, we are called to judge, but make sure when you do that you do it with, you know, with some spiritual understanding. You know, you get a little deeper. You ask questions. You pray, and then you know what what could happen is if you're you're then you know sharing with your friends, then you'll comfort them. Imagine how it might have been different for Job 
if he had some godly friends that just went to him and said, hey, bro, I, I can't even begin to imagine the pain that you're experiencing. I just want you to know we're praying for you. I don't understand it. I don't got the answers. I don't. But, you know, Pastor Chuck, he would always say, when you come across something you don't understand, you fall back on what you do understand. And I know God loves you because he died for you. So you know what? We're here for you. Imagine how different it could have been. But they just, man, some people, some Christians, this is crazy. He says, Job, let me tell you what to do. Look at verse 13. If you would prepare your heart and stretch out your hands toward him, if iniquity were in your hand and you put it far away and would not let wickedness dwell in your tents, then surely you could lift up your face without spot. Yes, you could be steadfast and not fear because you would forget your misery and, when, and remember it as waters that have passed away and your life would be brighter than noonday. Though you were dark, you would be like morning and you would be secure because there is hope. Yes, you would dig around you and take your rest in safety. Yes, you'd also lie down and no one would make you afraid. Yes, many would court your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail. They shall not escape and their hope is only loss of life. You know what does he say? He says, reach for God. Repent. You know, get rid of the iniquity in your hand and the wickedness in your, in your house. That's what he says right there when he talks about, you know, him, verse 14, and would not let wickedness dwell in your tents. It's kind of ironic because that was his strength. I mean, he was such a great and godly father, you know, and, and husband. You know, remember he would wake up every morning and pray for all his kids and I mean, just in case they did something wrong, I mean, and here is this guy saying, you just got to get your house right. And, I, and I've been in meetings, and I've seen some very self-righteous Christians condemning others that, in all reality, they didn't even deserve to be in the same room with them. So self-righteous. But you see, God's on the throne. And God's working out something so good you know, Job's house was right, and all his kids that died, they're in heaven. I have a feeling because of their dad. You know, he's saying, if you get right, then your face will brighten with innocence, and you'll be strong and free of fear. Then all this is going to go away, because that's what happens for Christians. Man, their life is just, you know, hunky-dory. They don't have problems. It's like, dude. You have no relationship with God, no experience, no depth, no character. Because when you serve the Lord, do you think the devil's going to just let you serve the Lord without opposition? That's what was happening here. He says, life will be right. When you get right with God, you'll be safe, secure, protected from all the tragedies and calamities of life because saints don't suffer. And so in verse 4, you know, he's bagging on Job's doctrine, and in all reality, his doctrine was wrong. And so in verse 20, he just says, if you continue in your wickedness, you're going to go blind and you'll be bound, and the only thing you'll have to look forward to is death. 
So thank God, you know, we can have this book. And I wish, man, I wish that you guys didn't have to go through crazy stuff. I mean, I, I sometimes I hear someone else has cancer. When I hear what happens with Nadine or some of the things that you guys are going through as a friend. And I'm sure a lot of you guys, you feel the same way. You just, man, Lord, I just wish that they didn't have to go through that kind of stuff. And your heart just aches. You wish you could protect them. But then you read this, and, and then you realize that, that sometimes those things are necessary because God is doing a really awesome work. You know, one man said this. He said, contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my experience has been through affliction and not happiness. See, that develops the depth of character. So let me just close by saying this. Don't be discouraged when you're there in the hard times and the challenging times and the painful times and the time when you don't want to get out of bed times or when you wish you were dead times. You can be sure that God is working all the time, but especially during those tough times. Okay?